As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford Berry. Hey, everybody, this is Jennifer Ford Berry with the 29 Minute Mom podcast. And today I have a really wise, awesome guest that's going to talk to us about giving up this real unrealistic dream of being the perfect mom. Jill Savage is the author of eight books, including No More Perfect Moms. She's the founder and CEO of Hearts at Home and also the Hearts at Home Conferences. She is a mama to five, and she is just passionate about strengthening families. So welcome, Jill. Thank you. Good to be with you. I'm super excited because... I feel like I'm just sick and tired of that word perfect. (laughs) And I always joke when I'm speaking to groups. I just spoke last night to a uh, mops group and I, I, I literally started out my presentation saying I'm so sick and tired of Pinterest perfection. Like everybody's trying to live their life so it can be pinned on Pinterest. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We have to stop this. (laughs) We do. And, you know, it's just something that I feel like is going to make us feel lighter today. And all these moms that are listening need to hear this. So stick with us. Um, First of all, I want to start off by talking about a quote you you say a lot. Never compare your insides to another woman's outsides. I love, love, love that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So true. Tell us about that one. Well, I think, you know, it first was a a quote that a friend shared with me many, many years ago when I was playing the comparison game. And I don't even remember what the issue was and what I was comparing myself to or or, uh, what I was struggling with. But when she said those words, I'm telling you, it was like it hit me between the eyes and I needed that because I realized I was doing that. I was... Uh, you know, I was looking at other women and based upon how their life looked to me, uh, I was feeling like I didn't measure up. Or in some rare cases, honestly, sometimes we look at somebody and think, gosh, we're doing better than they are. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it can work both ways. Um, but what I've discovered is um, that is a false uh, message that we tell ourselves because um, what is often going on on the inside does not show on the outside. And, um, and so that's really when I wrote uh, my No More Perfect Moms book, what I wanted to do is I wanted to encourage moms to share their insides. I wanted to model what it's like to be completely honest about the good stuff in, mar- in motherhood but also about the hard stuff in motherhood and that it's okay to share about both. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes you feel like you're not alone. It's You don't need a friend or, you know, somebody in your family constantly telling you how perfect everything is and never sharing the raw stuff with you because it just makes you feel 
like you're doing something wrong. And it's so funny because when I read that, I was thinking about the story of my sister, my youngest sister, Rachel. She had her first baby and she was telling my mom and I about how the baby kept her up all night and how it was, you know, she was so sleep deprived and she had tears in her eyes and she's like, this is so hard. And she was explaining it to me and I said to her, yeah, I can remember laying in bed and you just fall asleep and then you hear on the monitor the baby's crying again. And I remember thinking to myself, for the love of God, can you please stay asleep for more than two hours? And she just started laughing and she looked at me and she goes, really? You really thought that? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, nobody ever says that. Why doesn't anybody ever tell me that? And I'm like, Oh, yeah, you're a new mom. As you get going into this journey, I'm sure your friends will start, you know, opening up more. Because when you're a new mom, you feel like you really have to be perfect. And as it goes on, you start, you know, being honest with your girlfriend. So I'll never forget that. Yeah. And what I found is honesty begets honesty. So, you know, sometimes it has to start with you. It really does. So it was um, a couple months ago. I um, I had just had a really busy season. Uh, I traveled quite a bit speaking. I uh, several of my adult kids had needed my help on things, and so literally, I just been kind of coming and going like crazy. And I'm going to tell you, my bedroom was a wreck. Okay, a wreck. Like it had three suitcases that were partially unpacked because I didn't unpack before I would repack, and <laughs> um, and and clothes that I had just taken off at night and laid around and. And I like things to be a little bit more picked up. Um, I mean, I don't things don't have to be perfect, but it was a wreck. Okay, couldn't find the floor, and um, I thought to myself, "All right, I am tackling this this weekend. I am declaring war on this bedroom this weekend." And uh, you know, I just said that to myself, and then I caught myself and I thought, "You know what? I'm going to snap a picture of this right now, and I'm going to put it on Facebook." And so I did. And I'm going to tell you, that was the most commented on picture I think I have ever had on my Facebook page um, because women were just like, oh my gosh, thank you. And then they started snapping pictures of their reality and putting it in the comments. And I loved it because we were having a behind the scenes conversation and we were sharing our insides with each other. And so it took away any temptation to compare. I love that. And it's so opposite of what society is doing every single day. Now, here's the thing. When you, when, you know, people will say, well, I hate going on social media because everybody's life looks so picture perfect. And I, then I feel bad about myself. It always, you know, it's funny because a picture like that just breaks the ice and makes everybody realize that they're not alone. But then on the flip side, you probably don't see a lot of the the negative things that are going on because people don't want to, you know, air their dirty laundry and they don't want to be negative on social media. So of course they're posting the positive, but we all know our life isn't just always positive. Right. And I think that that's why we also need relationships outside of social media, because you do have to be somewhat careful about what you are sharing publicly, particularly if it has to do with, um, you know, another person or your relationship with another person. Uh, You know, you do have to be careful about that. And so uh, that's why I think we need in-person relationships where we sit down with a cup of coffee with a friend or a group of friends, or we're in a mom's group or, uh, we're in a Bible study or something where we can say, 
guys, sometimes marriage is just hard. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've I've got a child that is dealing with depression. I never thought I would have to deal with a child dealing with depression. Um, In our family, we have have one of our children, excuse me, that has a lot of mental health issues. And um, thankfully, he has granted me permission to talk about those publicly. Um, But, you know, those are the things that, you know, people don't tend to talk about. Uh, that we do need to know we're not alone in. Mm-hmm. And it creates those authentic relationships because there's nothing worse than sitting down, you know, with somebody for coffee and they start talking from a place that you know is not authentic. Mm-hmm. And it's not only boring, but it won't grow and foster a, a deep relationship. So I think, you know, you speak about being more authentic instead of worrying about perfection. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes that's that place where you have to go first. And what I, you know, when I first started putting my toe into this authenticity pool, um, my biggest fear was that I would be judged. And um, in fact, I can I can tell you the very first time that I did it. It was um, when I was, <clears throat> I had a mom's group and the mom's group was growing And, um, I don't know, there were 20, 25 gals in my group and, um, we were studying a book together and it was a book on all aspects of motherhood. Well, this one week we were coming up to was, um, the chapter was on marriage and my marriage was in a difficult place. And so I, here I was going to lead the discussion and I was thinking, what do I do here? You know, because I don't want to. Um, I don't want to just put on a smile and, and, and not be honest. And yet, um, there was a complication. My husband was their pastor. And so, um, I remember going to my husband and saying, okay, you know, this is the situation. Um, I'd really like to share with them that you and I started marriage counseling, but I know that's scary. What do you Mm -hmm. think? And so we talked about it. We prayed about it and both of us agreed that we would go ahead and have that conversation. He actually told the leaders of the church, you know, it was like, we're not, I mean, we're not in huge crisis. We just know that we need some help. And so, um, so anyway, we, um, you know, that day rolled around and I decided to just put it out there and I decided to share it. Well, honestly, I was ready for somebody to ask me to step down as a leader. I was ready for somebody to criticize And I'll tell you, we had the best conversation that day. And not only that, but all afternoon, my phone just rang and rang and rang with people saying, thank you. I thought we were the only ones. Oh, that's so neat. And so I knew from that point on, okay, you know, I I had great fear that I would be judged. But honestly, I will tell you, I've been walking the authenticity journey for probably 20 years now. And uh, I can count the number of times I've been judged on one hand, uh, at least to my face and publicly. And what I find is, uh, for the most part, it is uh, a a breath of fresh air uh, for other women to know that they're not alone. And then I know that I'm not alone. Right, right. So... One of the things I heard you say in a video, and it really stuck with me, is the fact that we, along with our drive to be perfect or 
our, you know, whatever it is, whatever is pushing us to think that the, all these things have to be perfect, the perfect kids, the perfect body, the perfect marriage, perfect friends, perfect home. Part of that has to do with we are a lot of times trying to control everything. And um, what can you speak to us about, you know, why as moms, why are we such control freaks? Like, <laughs> what is the problem? What are we missing? Oh, we are, aren't we? And we all are. I mean, honestly, we all are. And I think that the biggest reason that we are control freaks is because we want what is best for our kids and our family. And so we try really, really hard uh, to navigate things to end up being what we perceive as the best. Um, But in doing so, I think what ends up happening is, um, you know, we we begin to control uh, for perception as well. And I don't think we realize that we do that. And it can start in the it can start in the early years. Like I remember um, when my kids would come downstairs, you know, when they were just starting to be old enough to dress themselves. And you, you know, they come downstairs and go, I dress myself and they have on clashing colors. Um, you know, their, their shirt is too short. Their pants are too short, uh, you know, cause they pulled it out of the wrong drawer, the wrong pile. And, you know, you're getting ready to, to head off, <clears throat> I don't know, to the grocery store. And, uh, I remember making them go and change and the older I've gotten, the more that I've realized, no, you know what you do in that moment? Well, the first thing you do is you snap a picture because you're going to need that for their wedding reception someday. (laughs) (laughs) And then you go because that child's appearance does not define you. Um, I do believe this is where faith comes in. You know, we have to have our identity has to be based on something that is never changing and um, God is never changing. And so if we base our identity on our child's appearance, our child's behavior, um, our spouse's uh, our spouse's title, our title, uh, the, the car we drive, the house we live in, the neighborhood we live in or don't live in, all of those things will yank us around emotionally and will cause us uh, to control for success. And that becomes very dangerous. And so I think it comes down to um, the reason we try to control is that our identity gets wrapped up in how other people perceive us. And that becomes a very dangerous uh, road to travel. Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny because I I often joke that being a professional organizer, I used to be, I would be um, a little uncomfortable with certain people coming over to my house because I knew certain people would want to look in every crevice <laughs> and cupboard and closet. And I've actually had several people do this. And so it would get to a point where if we were going to have like a large group of people over, I would be so stressed out about making, you know, now my house is organized, but I would have to take it to a whole nother level. I mean, it would have to be ready for pictures. (laughs) (laughs) And so you have to have your whole house on display is a lot of pressure. 
And it was, it finally got to the point where I would think to myself, who cares? Like, it's not going to be perfect. I mean, certain areas might look better than others because as we all know with organization, it takes maintenance. And, you know, even though you have, everything has a home and I have systems and stuff like that, things get out of place. I mean, they have kids that move stuff around (laughs) and they take stuff out of their homes. So I used to remember thinking, oh, my house has to be perfect. And one time it was our house whoring party and my friends went in my pantry and they turned all my labels <laughs> backwards. <laughs> and the next day we were laughing, my husband and I, it's like, oh, they know where to get me where it hurts. So it was like, yeah, give it up. They're going to mess it up anyway. So why bother? That's right. That is right. Well, and yeah. not only that, but I think that um, even though you are a professional organizer, if somebody comes to your home and they see you know, I mean, 90%, 95% of your home is organized, 5% isn't, then what you're doing is you're helping them to have balance in their expectations. And, you know, even yeah. call it out. I mean, you know, I think that's that's so valuable for you as a professional organizer to walk them over to a closet and open it up and to go, all right, now he, I'm going to show you something because this is this has gotten out of control because I didn't maintain. And so this helps, I, w- I want to share this with you because it helps to adjust your expectations. So you're going to put great processes in place, but boy, you've got to have some realistic expectations of what it takes to maintain, of what life is like with kids, you know, all of those kind of things. So I think that it helps us when we, sh- we share our reality, it helps others have more realistic expectations with their very real houses, their their real lives, their real marriages, whatever it is that that they're um, struggling with. Yeah. Don't you think that's why reality TV is so popular right now? Just because people want to see that other people's lives are messed up and not perfect. Like that's interesting to them. They can say, oh, wow, look at that couple's fighting, you know, or look at their kid that, you know, had a tantrum. And it's like you feel better about yourself knowing that you're not mm-hmm. the only one. I would agree. But the funny part is reality TV isn't even reality. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I was going to say that next, but it's funny. that But you think at least it doesn't seem like these shows that we used to watch, you know, back in the, what, 70s and 80s where everybody was happy and perfect and cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> now we're seeing like the dirty laundry. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned expectations. That is such a big oh, one huge. when you talk about perfection, whether it be our bodies, our kids. But I think, you know, and even with friendships, but I think more importantly, like the expectations for ourselves is the is the hardest to it overcome. Is. It is. We're our own worst enemy. And often our expectations of ourselves are unrealistic. Absolutely unrealistic. And the problem is, though, we are surrounded with images of perfection. So we have to watch the stories that we are telling ourselves. So I'll give you an example. So you walk through the checkout line at the grocery store and, you know, there's all the magazines and you glance over and there's the headlines. And one headline says, body after baby, three months. And you glance down and you go, body after baby, three years. Has never looked like that, (laughs) you know. 
What is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Um, And then you watch movies and uh, you watch love scenes, you know, in a movie and you're like, oh, I wish it was like that in our marriage. But the truth is what we're doing is we're comparing our real body against something that's been photoshopped. It doesn't even exist. We're comparing our real marriage against a movie that has, um, you know, specific lines and has the right lighting and has just a perfect environment. It's not real life. And so what we do, though, when that happens is if we don't change our self-talk, in other words, in that checkout line, if we don't say to ourselves, that isn't real and I'm not going to compare myself to it. If we don't do that, then we become more discontent with our very real life, our real marriage, our real kids, our real house, our real bodies. And so we have to guard against that sense of discontentment that often creeps in. Yeah. Yeah. And contentment's the the key word there. And you know what? That's why gratitude is so important. You hear, okay, you should have a gratitude journal. Write down five things you're grateful for today. And you think, okay, just another thing to add to my to-do list. But it really works because it changes what we're focused on. And you're not going to feel content if you're always feeling in the lack zone, like you're lacking something and you need to get somewhere and you need, you know, this or that. You're never going to be happy. And the thing is, you know, I say this all the time as far as comparing your insides to your outsides or your expectations. I pull up to people's homes every week that are just gorgeous on the outside, perfectly manicured lawn, big, you know, house with stone or brick. And you think to yourself, oh, in that beautiful, perfect exterior, there must live this beautiful, Mm -hmm. perfect family. And I have been proven wrong so many times when I open the door and I really get to know these moms and you realize all the things that, you know, are happening and why they called me to begin with. And you just think to yourself, wow, I bet you everybody, every mom driving the carpool in the morning is going by your house thinking it's perfect. And it's just yep. not. Um, it's, that's really been something that God has shown me over and over and over, yes, over the years. I would agree. I would agree. And um, I think it is it is such a reminder. I mean, money doesn't make us happy. Uh, success doesn't make us happy. And we all are human. We are all struggling in relationships. We are all struggling with priorities. I mean, every one of us, we are, if your kids are little, if your kids are little, you are absolutely struggling with um, getting enough sleep at night. I mean, all of those things make a huge difference. And so we, we have to know that uh, we're not the only ones that others struggle with the same things that we do. And I think that's why the more we share our insights, the more we remind others that they're not alone. Right. I think, too, you know, let's talk for a second how this perfection, this perfectionism and these high expectations create so much mom guilt. I mean... I literally, I mean, you have some grown kids. Can you tell us? Does that mom guilt ever go away? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Please, it doesn't. <laughs> what is that about? Because honestly, I'm going to be very honest right now. 
I could go to bed at night and I would think to myself, okay, I did pretty good at eating today. I did really, you know, I worked really hard at my career. I was a really good wife. And then I always go to the point where I'm like, I could have been a better mom. Like it never changes. And I don't know why that is. It's like, I'm always striving to reach a point that it seems no. like I'm never going to reach. Because your expectations are off the charts, as is every other mom. I mean, yeah. we just, we expect ourselves to be perfect, super moms. Uh, we see it, you know, we we see the perception of it in social media. We see moms, you know, making, mm-hmm. um, you know, perfect Pinterest birthday cakes and those kind of things, which fuels that. I think one of my favorite websites is the Pinterest fail site. Okay, I love that website. Yeah, I, Wait, oh, yeah. I, I think I, I can't site? remember if it's pinterestfail.com, but if you just like Google Pinterest fail, you will it's a whole website oh. where they show you what it was supposed awesome. to look like and then what it really looked like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Everybody go to that and feel better <laughs> about yourselves today. Yes. But I think as women, what we have to learn to do is give ourselves grace. And um, what I like to define grace as is grace um, from a human perspective is allowing us to be human, imperfect, and to not always rake ourselves over the coals for it. And, um, you know, again, I go back to my faith because that so helps me to process this. But I am reminded, you know, when I look at the life of Jesus, he did not, uh, he went to bed at night and not everyone was healed. He, you know, yeah. I mean, I have to tell myself literally that some nights I'm like, no, he went to bed at night and not everyone was not every need was met. And so we, we have to cut ourselves some slack. We have to give ourselves grace. We have to allow ourselves to be human. And here's the thing. When we do that, we actually give a gift to our children. If we can, especially as they get older. If we can share those places where, um, you know what, I really wanted to um, have a home-cooked meal tonight, but I, I just, I had too much on my plate and I wasn't able to do that. If we can verbalize that as our kids get older, I think it helps them to learn how to give themselves grace. And I think that's a beautiful gift we can give to our kids. That is beautiful. And it makes me think of this past week it was my daughter's 15th birthday and usually we make big deal a big deal out of birthdays and this year we changed it up a little bit um she's getting older we don't do the friend birthday party anymore she wanted a a iphone so it's like okay well then you're just getting that for your birthday nothing else so it was really toned down we had a snowstorm so we were stuck inside um and then the next night you know, we had just some cake and ice cream for her. And this is so silly, but I know other moms can relate to me. I found the next day that the plates and napkins that I had bought for her little birthday celebration, which I've always done that for them. I usually, when they were little, had like a theme birthday party, but we're long past that. I found the plates and napkins and I found like the birthday banner that I usually put up. And I was like, really feeling bad about it. So I went to her and I said, honey, I showed her the stuff and I go, I'm really sorry. I forgot all about this stuff. I feel like a terrible mom. And she looks at me and she goes, really, mom, don't worry about it. Like yep. she didn't even care. Yes. <laughs> so if I didn't say that to her, 
I would have went to bed, you know, wasting energy, feeling horrible. And she didn't even care. I said, well, did you like your birthday? She's like, yeah, I loved it. I could just relax. I mean, she's a teenager. She likes to just watch Netflix and chill out. So um, it was yes. really eye-opening See, you to were me. setting your – you had your expectations so big. And I – this is something I encourage moms, especially like even as they go into the holidays or they go into a birthday or things like that. You know, oftentimes, I mean, we are the keepers of tradition, right? We are naturally. But yeah. sometimes it's good to just say, you know what? What's what's the most important thing that we do on Christmas that is most important to you? And uh, and ask them what that is and get feedback. And then, you know, you, you know maybe the, you do normally do five or ten different things with Christmas and your family only mentions four or five. And then you go, you know what? Um, what about this? And they're like, oh, I don't care. Well, what about this? Well, I don't care. You know what? You can pare down when you begin to kind of get their input and their feedback. And then you find out what really does matter to them. And so I think those, I think having those conversations more often uh, proactively can even help us to lower the expectations to something that's more realistic and find out what's most important to our family. Yeah. And it's funny because when you hear from your kids, sometimes you're surprised that the thing you didn't think was exciting or a big deal is really the most important yeah, thing to them. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has just been such a um, breath of fresh air, honestly, Jill, just to be authentic, to talk about the things that are plaguing all of us as moms. So I really want to encourage everybody listening to check out Jill's book. Once again, it's called No More Perfect Moms. She actually has another book called No More Perfect Kids. And she just um, let me know she's going to have a book coming out soon called No More Perfect Marriages. So we're definitely having you back on to talk about that. <laughs> that would be great. I would love it. <laughs> That's a whole show yes, in it itself, is. right? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> So I appreciate you so much. Um, just tell everybody where they can find you and if they want to get some more information about Yeah, you. the best place to find me is at jillsavage.org, uh, jillsavage.org. And uh, you might also want to check out um, um, an organization I founded many years ago called Hearts at Home, uh, where we uh, do some conferences for moms. And that's at heartsathome.org. So either jillsavage.org or heartsathome.org, you can find me. Wonderful. Thanks again, Jill. And thank you to everybody listening to this episode of the 29 Minute Mom, where we know every minute counts. <laughs>